Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, as part of the Department of Agriculture, Food and Marine, Animal Health Awareness Week, set to take place in conjunction with the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week from the 18th of November to the 24th, I'm joined by Superintending Veterinary Inspectors, Damien Barrett and Caroline Garvin. Caroline, this year's event focuses on antimicrobial resistance. What is antimicrobial resistance? So Catherine, when we talk about antimicrobial resistance, we really mean antibiotic resistance. What we mean is that when you use antibiotics in your animals, they no longer work. And we'd be quite familiar with it, I suppose, on the human health side, because it really is first and foremost a human health issue. Um, We'll all know of people maybe that have gone into hospital and they've ended up staying a lot longer than they thought because the first line of treatment didn't work. So really what has happened is, and this was known about, I suppose, when penicillin was first discovered by Alexander Fleming, that the more you use an antibiotic, the bacteria want to survive. They've survived for thousands of years. So they they mutate, they change so that the, the antibiotic doesn't work. And so what it means is our disease treatment options are becoming more and more limited. And this obviously is of huge concern. We've seen it now with COVID, how important it is to have effective disease treatments. So what we're seeing now, particularly in human health, is there are some diseases in certain parts of the world where there is no treatment because antibiotics have been overused and in some cases misused. So it's the overuse and the continued use of antibiotics not continuing to work as they used to. And Damien, what is the objective of Animal Health Awareness Week? Catherine, the objective of Animal Health Awareness Week is to basically raise awareness among the farming community of the importance of, of good animal health. This, this um, initiative came about through a review of our early warning surveillance system, where it was recognised that um, awareness among the farming community of what normal health was what normal disease levels was was very important in detecting the incursion of a new or emerging disease um while while it may be um while a new or emerging disease may ca- cause the headlines it's actually endemic disease those diseases that are occurring on a day-to-day basis at, at farm level that probably have the greatest economic impact on farming so this initiative came about in a way to address both those issues address um, raise raise awareness of the importance of um, preparedness for emerging diseases, but also raise awareness of the potential losses that uh, poor animal health can um, give rise to, to at individual farm level. And Caroline, I suppose this week coincides with the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week. What's the objective of the World Antimicrobial Week? The objective, Catherine, is to raise awareness so that people understand, firstly, what AMR is, why it is important to address AMR. So in other words, why it is important to look at how we use antibiotics in our animals and also in ourselves and to to try and reduce the level of use and to only use them when absolutely necessary. And I suppose this has been a global initiative for the last number of years, but there has always been an event every year on the 18th of November because it's European Antibiotic Awareness Day. So it's very much been a European focus that everyone understands why we should look at antibiotics differently. And I suppose it's intricately linked to animal health or human health because it's healthy animals don't need antibiotics. And so that's why 
ourselves in the AMR side came together with Damien's division and saw it as a really nice, you know, synchronicity of having promoting animal health and also promoting awareness that when you've healthy animals, you don't need to use antibiotics. The whole thing about disease prevention and I suppose promoting alternatives to antibiotics, so increased use of vaccination and other tools. So it, it's really about sharing knowledge. And I suppose like we're all the same. If we don't understand something, why would we change our behavior? And so this is where we're coming from on the awareness raising issue. That's great, Caroline. And Damien, you mentioned there the importance of animal health. Why is good animal health important for farmers? Well, um, animal health and animal welfare are inextricably linked, but animal health and, and economic performance are also inextricably linked. And if... I, th I think we're all reaching uh, in, in this era of sustainability and um, of climate change and all this talk about greenhouse gases emanating from, from ruminants. Basically, efficient farm production is both, our livestock production is both good from a profit point of view and a sustainability point of view. If there's anything that's going to reduce the average daily ga gains of, of cattle, be that as winglings, as our finishing cattle, that's going to delay the sale of those animals. And it's going to, or else they're going to be sold at un, underweight. And that's, that's if, if animals are going to be turned around at say up, up or finished within the 30 months, or as, as we're speaking about or hearing about recently, that may be, there, there may be, um, encouragements to get people to finish them at lesser ages that they're going to have to be um, working as efficiently as possible and animal health is one potential drag as um, I think one of our colleagues says genetics creates that the, the potential management realizes that potential but disease destroys that potential in animals reaching reaching the productive target so in essence um, good health is is important for good good productivity and production efficiency. I suppose, Damien, from a national point of view, why does the animal health beef status matter so much? From a, from a national point of view, it's it's very important when when we're going um, out, out to um, both European partners and particularly with third countries, there's a the requirements of certification, third country certification are, are quite important. And there's a there's quite a list of diseases that these um th these trade partners want um declarations of freedom from. Thankfully, as an island nation on the periphery of Europe, that makes that makes biosecurity, national biosecurity, that little bit easier. But we cannot become complacent. And if if we are going to access these markets, like there in 2000, um, there this year, earlier this year, Ireland retained BSE negligible risk status. And for any, um, thankfully for most farmers, BSE is, is, a, is a memory. However, it's not a memory among our trade partners. And when they come here to view our, our systems, our, our assurance systems, there's, there are a lot of questions on how on how our system for the uh, control and eradication and prevention of BSE um, works. And it's, it's particularly so among um, the Asian countries. So basically the customer, the customer is king in this instances and they need those assurances. And we're, we're delighted to be in a position that we can offer those assurances to, to these potential markets. 
Definitely, Damien. And Caroline, I suppose you mentioned there the importance of antimicrobial use and how farmers can be responsible. How can we help prevent AMR or what strategies can farmers use to be more responsible around antimicrobial use? Okay, well, there's a number of strategies and, and I might just reference, um, we, have, we have a committee that look, an animal health implementation committee, which delivers key actions around addressing AMR. It was, it was developed in 2018 when we launched our first national action plan to address AMR. And we're actually launching our second one on the 18th of November. But that group developed a number of, of policy documents, codes of practice around responsible use of antimicrobials. And one of the codes is specific to the, to the suckler and beef farm sector. And so those codes are on gov.ie. If you go to gov.ie, AMR, you'll get that code of practice. And it just was developed jointly between the IFA and Chagas and Veterinary Ireland. And there's some really nice, you know, reference tools. So it references a lot around weanling pneumonia. And I suppose the thing is, when you see it, when there's a weanling coughing, you have a lot of differential diagnosis. So you should not be jumping in with a bottle of antibiotic because you don't know, is it bacterial, is it viral or is it lungworm? And if you have a viral disease, the antibiotic will do nothing for it. And it's a waste of money. And you're not, you know, you're not adding to to, to um, reduce the disease spread. So it's, it's having that awareness. And I suppose this is where, you know, veterinary expertise comes into it in developing a herd health plan so that you know what are the common diseases on your on, on your farm and when do you need to treat? When do you need to vaccinate for whatever viral diseases you have? When do you need to treat for parasites in particular, say for lungworm, your, your grazing strategy? There, there, there are a lot of tools and really it's all built into having a herd health plan and, and using whatever treatments only when necessary. So I would really recommend if farmers could have a look at that guide. It does give some nice tools about, I suppose, improving biosecurity, how to look at look after your newborn calves, your weanlings, just covers a few few areas and gives some nice tips. But really, it's all about enhancing your biosecurity you know, looking at how you can improve your, your husbandry, strategic use of vaccination and only using antibiotics on foot of veterinary advice. So, you know, it's all about disease prevention. And I think if you, you know, if farmers could, you know, come together with their vet, develop a herd health plan. And it really, as, as Damien says, down the road, it is going to improve your profitability. And in terms of sustainability, there is a huge focus on the farming sector and their use of antibiotics. And in particular, certain antibiotics, which are drugs of last resort in human health. And these are called highest priority, critically important antibiotics. But I've seen it myself. One of my children was very, very sick with, with a kidney infection and she had to go into hospital and she was only 10 and a healthy child. And when we, we looked at the antibiotics she was getting and they weren't working and the consultant came back and said, look, there's 10 antibiotics available to treat this, but only one of them would work in your daughter because she's resistant to all the other nine. So that's, that's the reality. And, and that antibiotic that she needed, I had used in, in calves and in weanlings for different conditions. And so, you know, that's just to bring home the importance of how we, we all have a responsibility, we all have a role to play. And the one other point I, I might reference, Catherine, is sometimes there is a confusion between antibiotic or AMR and antibiotic resistance and AMR or residues, antibiotic residues. And, and people think, well, I'm well outside the withdrawal period, I won't have residues. 
yes, you won't have residues, but you could still have resistant bacteria developing in the animal because, as I said earlier, any use of antibiotics will drive resistance. So really the message is to protect your animals, but also protect your family and your community, you look to reduce your use of antibiotics. And I suppose, Caroline, that's something we're going to see in the new year with legislation changes being introduced in January. What impact will this legislation have on beef farms? It will have quite a significant um, impact, Catherine, because this new legislation, it's the, it's the new veterinary medicines legislation, and it's the newest piece of legislation in terms of veterinary medicines, because there's been nothing new for the last 20 years. And in that 20 year period, there's been a there's been a, a continuous increase in the level of antibiotic or AMR, antimicrobial resistance. And so this legislation is looking to promote responsible use of antimicrobials. And how it's doing that is, I suppose that there's very much a, a prohibition on preventative use of antibiotics, um, prophylactic treatment, they call it, except in exceptional circumstances and only for individual animals. So, you know, the, the, the old practice perhaps of buying in um, a group of weanlings and giving them all a shot of long acting antibiotic, that's no longer acceptable unless it is, there's a severe risk of disease and your vet has determined that it's necessary to use these. So there's no more routine blanket treatment with antibiotics. The quantity that your vet will prescribe should only be enough to treat the disease present on the farm. Um, very small quantities of antibiotics prescribed at any one time. So really what it's doing is it's looking to reduce the use of, of antibiotics on farm and promote better disease prevention and management strategies. The other thing to mention is there will be a list of antibiotics that cannot be used in animal health because they are deemed so important in human health. And so, you know, to keep, we, we need to protect animal health and welfare absolutely as well. So we want to ensure that we don't lose the, the opportunity to use certain antibiotics in animals. And so there is an important role that we're not seen to overuse some of these drugs of last resort. And again, um, this group I referred to earlier on the AMR side within the department with all the stakeholders has developed a guidance on why you shouldn't use certain antibiotics. So unless the vet prescribes, the farmer can't use. But I suppose the, the bottom line is the legislation will control and reduce the use of antibiotics. So I suppose beef farmers can expect that there won't be the same, um, I don't know is the right word, availability, but vets will be prescribing in a different way, perhaps. Thanks very much, Caroline. And Damien, have you an opinion on what are the challenges from a health and AMR perspective going forward for beef farmers? I was I was looking at those kind of in the short in the very short term and and in in the maybe maybe possibly longer term. But I think one one thing at this time of year that beef farmers is be worth them um, looking into is the, the whole issue of of liver fluke infestation and how it affects performance. Um, typically, you're looking at the um, you're you're looking at the buildup of of parasites over over the grazing period, and especially when we get wet weather. And um, I was just I was just um, looking at some work that a, a colleague of ours, Rebecca Carroll, did a couple of years ago, um, looking at at 
the impact of fluke infestation on performance. Basically, there was a 40 to 50 kilogram reduction in, in carcass weights among animals that had a history of fluke infestation. And like that's you can you can count you can count the immediate loss in that context. But other work from Scotland has shown that there's a um, the finishing periods could be increased by up to 50 days through through Luke or through fluke infestation. So I think that's something in, in the short term that's a challenge that might seem mundane. But if you're looking at a, a reduction in carcass weight of up to 50 kilos and increased fish finishing times up to, to 50 days, that's quite a substantial economic loss. Um, I suppose from a beef farming point of view, in terms of exotic diseases, which is the other um the, the twin track of the anim, of the animal health awareness of, of this we need to be aware of of the issue of, of of blue tongue in particular and it's going to it's going to be focused on in one of our webinars for animal health awareness week um blue blue tongue is a major born disease and it's 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 present in in parts of the continent at the moment um midges can be blown up to 400 kilometers by if if the wind comes at the right direction at the wrong time if you if you know what i mean however um it's more than likely that this this, this disease is to be what will be walked in through the importation of of uh, pedigree breeding stock from from the continent and this is something that i think if uh, if anyone is going to be importing livestock from the continent it's they should they should be aware of it um and and take take the necessary precautions, and uh, for instance, making sure that the, the the importation occurs during the inactive mid mid season. Um, the, the worry about blue tongue, um, the clinical disease is one side of it, but the more important worry possibly is that it has it's one of these diseases that's very important from our from our national herd health status for trading purposes and essentially if there were to be an outbreak of blue tongue in circulation there would be a restriction zone of 150 kilometers um, within where that outbreak took place which essentially means that most live live exports from the country would would come to a halt in the event of such an outbreak until that was was taken under control so um I I don't want to be putting the frighteners on people in a way, but at the same time, I want I, I, I want them to be aware that that this that this is a threat, and um, it's something it's something to take precautions about. What precautions can be taken, Damien, to avoid this happening? Well, I think that one of the main things, as I said, is to ensure that the, that they're imported during the inactive mid season. The real fear is here is that the blue tongue virus would get into the native midge population, and if it got into the native population, it, it would spread all over the all over the country. So, make sure that that the um, that the importation occurs, say, pr in practical terms, from sometime between December and February. Other things would be to ensure that these animals get properly treated with with um, an an ex a, a parasiticide, an external parasiticide. And also to ensure that they're properly um, vaccinated and certified to be vaccinated from, from the departing um, member state. Caroline, over the course of the week for Animal Health Week, there will be a number of webinars taking place. Can you tell me more about them? OK, so thanks, Catherine. Yeah, this is a joint event to promote AMR and animal health. So we have four webinars going out. The first one on November the 18th. 
and this one is specifically focusing on antimicrobial resistance because it is European Antimicrobial Resistance, Resistance Awareness Day. So as part of that webinar, we have different speakers covering different elements. As I've said earlier, AMR is first and foremost a human health issue that also impacts on animal health. So we're covering AMR from a One Health perspective. So we have a consultant from NUIG and a GP from Cork, both talking about AMR in the context of human health, the concerns and challenges that they face. And then we have a case study from a pig farmer who has successfully managed to reduce um, antibiotic use on his farm. And I suppose beef farmers might say, well, what's the relevance to me? I suppose the relevance is that the strategies that he employed you know, apply across the board. And really what he did was he replaced antibiotics with vaccines. And he said that he now has, uh, he is more profitable, his workload is less. And it, it's just a really positive story. Biosecurity was really key as well in, in how he, he changed his farm management practices. So he'd be speaking with his vet on what he did. And then we have a speaker from, from the UK who's um, a veterinary speaker who will talk about the whole one health issue and how they're approaching it in the UK. The second day, um, the focus is going to be on One Health and particularly on zoonotic disease. Uh, One Health is this concept that the health of the environment, animals and humans are all intertwined. And the focus, as I said, on the second day, November 22nd, is on, on zoonotic diseases and diseases that are acquired from anim animals and transferred to people. That's day two. Caroline, do you want to talk about day three? Yeah, thanks, Damien. So this is November 23rd, and the focus on this webinar is all about herd health and just highlighting the importance of proactive herd health planning in maximising health and minimizing your, your antimicrobial usage. And then our last speaker, and, and Damien has already referenced some of this, the whole area of parasitic challenges at farm level, and in particular, I suppose, antiparasitic resistance. And I mean, something I should have mentioned under the new legislation is that um, tying in with the implementation of the new legislation is that um, all antiparasitics, so antilmintics, um, any of your, your porons, everything will be prescription only from the 28th of January. And, and I'm sure farmers may have some, some concerns about this, but really they've moved to being prescription only. So you can only purchase them on foot of a prescription from your vet because there's a continual development and spread of antiparasitic resistance in Ireland. The evidence is there. And because of that, they have moved from being for sale over the counter to prescription only. But James will just talk about the challenges that are out there at farm level in terms of, of treating parasites. Our fourth and final day is November on November the 24th. And this will be about emerging and uh, emerging disease threats. And um, th the topics to be covered are, are foot and mouth disease, blue tongue. Um, we're going to have a case study on low, low path avian influenza. Um, we're going to have someone speaking about the importance of having antimicrobials available uh, for immunocompromised patients in, in the human health sphere. Um, we're going to hear from um, our colleagues in um, UCD on the role that veterinary epidemiologists had in the NEFIT modeling for COVID. And we're going to hear from our, our colleagues in the north in the north from DERA on African preparedness for African swine fever. Thanks very much, Damien and Caroline, and we look forward to tuning into all the different webinars this week. The links will be included in the podcast text. Thanks very much, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. That's all for this week's episode, and my thanks to Caroline and Damien for joining me on the show. 
You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.